Podcast Network. Hello, this is Dave with a couple production notes. Production note number one, the Star Trek Fantasy Draft Google Doc is available for you to follow along. Go to the page for this episode on previously.tv and you can download it there. Also, next week on Extra Hot Great, it is an all Is This Worse Than Jazz episode. We are looking for your questions and scenarios to tackle on that episode. So please send them to ehg at previously.tv. And now on with the show. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 124 of the week of July 25th, 2016. I am Tuba on a checkerboard game addict, David T. Cole, and I'm here with anxious triple Sarah D. Bunting. Space. Red shirt, Joe Reed. May the force be with you. Ten forward manager, Tara Ariano. Here's your Vulcan Ale. And Ensign Maureen Mo Ryan. By your command. I'm sorry, wrong show, but I just got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Extra Hot Great Podcast. Joining us for the very first time is Maureen Ryan. Hi, Mo. Hi. Hi. Yay! Now, Yay. many moons ago, when we did uh, our Law and Order draft, um, many on their on Twitter and on their boards were suggesting other ideas that we could do a similar draft for. And of course, one of the first ideas that was thrown around was Star Trek. And when that was floated, Mo was, the, I think, the first to say she She's wanted to get it. in on that action. And so she is here. And also here is David Snyder. Hello, David. Hi. Uh, he is the genius slash weirdo. No, just kidding. Genius slash who made masochist. our draft documented. It is in depth. It's uh, intense. It's long. Uh, it's, genius in its own time is often uh, misinterpreted. That is so true. Yeah. Um, and so he is going to be the managing this draft for us. And um, David, why don't you take it away? First of all, tell us why you wanted to do this and then tell us what our rules are so that the listener will know. Uh, honestly, I can't tell you why I wanted to do it. <laughs> it just seemed like it should you're be awesome. done, and I guess I decided that uh, I would do it so that it was done. Yep. So, and and did anyway. it? And, and did it? He did a wow. very thorough. And how? Yeah, great category choice. Yeah, this is the prune version. There's some is. categories that got eliminated for length. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you walk us through the summary of the rules, and then we will get into it. Okay. Uh, this Star Trek draft covers the television series through Enterprise and the movies through Nemesis. So not the reboot universe movies and not Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, if you really like that design, sorry. Uh, you will need to pick a primary starship and a backup starship and a primary captain and a backup captain from the list of uh, starships and captains provided. At most, one of your ships will, can be a version of the USS Enterprise. So the other ship has to be something other than the Enterprise. If someone... If, uh, if somehow they are available, you also cannot pick both Kirk and Picard because that way lies generations. <laughs> you must pick a crew. For after that, you must pick a crew including a first officer, a chief, and an assistant medical officer, a security slash tactical officer, a chief and assistant engineer, a helmsman slash con officer, i.e. the guy or gal who drives the ship. A navigator slash ops officer, i.e. the person who sits next to the guy or gal who drives the ship. 
a counselor slash recreation slash morale officer, which includes your bartender, a science officer, which includes astrometrics, and a communications officer. Options available are based on what job category characters have had in the various series and movies. Generally, the same character can fill only one position on your crew. So, for example, if you pick Pavel Chekhov as your navigator, he cannot also be your security slash tactical officer, which is what job he had in the motion picture. The exception to this is that you can have the same character as your first and science officer because that tends to happen a lot. Besides your ship and crew, you must also pick two recurring foes from a list of enemies that have appeared in multiple episodes and or movies. Two opposing forces uh, that and, and uh, so those are people basically, and then two opposing forces, which are alien threats or, or hostile organizations. And then you have to pick a cue from the various cues that have appeared, <laughs> and you need to pick two either children or pets, one or the other. That that last one was left in by special request. Of yours truly. <laughs> can you have one of each, one pet and one kid, or it yeah. has to be yes, both? Yes, you okay, can mix got and it. match. Got it. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> awesome. All right. Thank so, you so much. Uh, does anyone have any questions? Uh, I do not. Anyone else? I reserve the right to ask questions during the draft. <laughs> yes, many, As many times. <laughs> All right. I will say that we did the order before the show started. So our order is going first, our guest, Mo, followed yes. by Sarah, <laughs> then I, David T. Cole, then Tara, and then Joe uh, drafting fifth. And so there, there are stakes. Sarah, tell us what the stakes are. Uh, well, as we did last time, uh, we will compile all the um, final teams uh, that have been drafted by all of our participants, and we will post them in, I was about to say in POG form, no, uh, in in list form on the site, and you will have the opportunity to vote for your favorite, and uh, whoever's team uh, is the most popular will have a $25 donation to a science project made in their and their team's name at donorschoes.org. I encourage you all to go and check out that site anyway. It's a wonderful place to give to classrooms around the country, but uh, there are stakes. So you definitely want, you definitely want a good team so that you can give some money to kids to do sciencey stuff and get interested in space. (laughs) Uh, Draft manager, uh, David, uh, can you give us the uh, earth U S currency to gold press Latinum exchange rate? (laughs) Uh, I'd have to check the latest. All right. Well, we'll check back in on uh, on the uh, the market desk. We'll go to Spoogle and look that up. That's Space Google. (laughs) All right. So, are we ready to be ready to do this? Yes. All right. Let's do it. All right, Mo, you're up. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go with the sentimental choice first up, and I'm going to snap up First Officer Spock, played by the amazing Leonard Nimoy for in many incarnations. So I, that's my first pick. I wondered who so would it, be the first one out, and that does not surprise me. Good choice, Mo. Uh, me neither. My husband felt that whoever picked Spock would probably win the draft team. He's the I, Lenny uh, Briscoe of Star So I'm Trek. just going to totally. drop out now. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really could. You're like, USS Pastor, who cares? Um, uh, I am, have got to go with my birthday mate uh, for my first captain, my primary captain. That's James Tiberius Kirk, ah. taking him off the board. Got really excited when I heard you pick Spock first. I thought maybe this left me an opening to snag up Kirk for captain. But, of course, it was not to be. So uh, I am going to, of course, then have to pick Jean-Luc Picard as my captain. Good choice. All right. Well, I'm going to jump ahead to security tactical officer and go with Lieutenant Worf. Hands oh, down, damn. the sexiest member of any crew. 
Yes, I said it. Ooh. I can't disagree with you at all. He was a very charismatic man. Or and Klingon, whatever whatever You can be two boat. things. He can be two things. He's absolutely many things. He's People hilarious in the bloopers too. <laughs> I don't know how much of a risky pick this is. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Spock as my captain, which I guess you can do because yeah, he was a captain in the second movie. Yes, he was. Okay. Nice. Back of the to training ship. He was captain. Oh man, I'm not ready for it to come back to me so soon. I'm going to have to go with a captain and, um, I'm going to go with Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. Yeah. The My no deep nonsense. space nine bias is uh, coming through at this point. <laughs> Key of the thong song. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you see um, my plan now. I'm going to keep it classic and take Dr. McCoy as my one of my doctors. I like that. All right. I'm going first officer, and um, I'm going to go with the raw computing power of Mr. Data. Huh? <sighs> Good Ooh. choice. Um, well, since he's off the table, I'm going to jump back to captains, and I'm going to go with Jonathan Archer, because Bacula for the win. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Wow. Interesting. I did not expect Archer to go this soon, but I respect Bacula. it. I respect it. But you got to go with Bacula. You got to go Bacula. You never go back. Once you go Bacula, you n- I don't know. Something <laughs> back. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to find, like, what's, like, a good value, like, Worf was the good one. Worf was the one I had in mind where I was just like, ah, oh, there's nobody else on that list who's, like, close to Worf. That's a good pick. Um, I guess I'm going to pick a first officer, and I guess it's going to be Riker. Yeah. That's yeah, I got to. Now, is that Riker pre or post beard? <laughs> you talking uh, counter post. at Farpoint, or are we talking, <laughs> you know... <laughs> It doesn't Beardo. matter which, because it's always Riker with the rusty trombone. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to go with uh, Jordy LaForge. That's what I'm doing. As yeah. which? As your... As your con uh, helmsman? Uh, isn't he... I'm going to go with engineering. engineering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He is in, engi- in engineering, so... Okay, um... I am going to take my security tactical officer now, and that will be Odo. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. Good yeah, I have no line, Odo. Damn. So Worf and Odo are gone from that one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm going to go with the medical worker. Mr. Scott, engineer. Nice. That sounded Very like nice. a Chekhov accent. I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one miracle Thanks. worker on Star Trek, and that's Mr. Scott. Bad okay. accent aside. Um, I can't believe that he's still in this, so I'm going to pick. I'm jumping a f- ahead to recurring foe, and I'm picking Khan. Oh. Oh. Wow! Got to the miscellaneous. Got to jump around. Yeah, Khan. That's a good one. Dang. Really good. Um, that yell right, summoned see. the dog. By the way, I'm gonna go. Just pretend with it's Real Housewives to- of Starfleet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Um, in anticipation of a run on security tactical officers, and with there being literally one other person whose name I recognize, I'm going to go with Chekhov. I'm going to make a kind of unconventional choice. She wasn't on the show uh, that much, but she was amazing when she was Helmsman Con Officer Ro Lauren. Oh, Ro's a great choice. Mm, yeah. She's a fan favorite. 
Gotta have some Michelle Forbes up in here. <laughs> uh, that's always true. Um, so there's so many things that I could choose and I don't know where to begin. But in honor of uh, my wife's and my other um, podcast, again with this, <laughs> I will pick a recurring foe played by someone who also played a sort of recurring foe on 90210. And that's the Borg Queen. Oh, <laughs> oh good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, correct me. Nice. I do not think Her? she's been picked yet, but I, uh, Com Officer Uhura? Correct. She has she not. Has not. All right. I'm snapping her up. And then she's going to sing those songs in the desert with her fans. In the most embarrassing moment in Star Trek history, perhaps. <laughs> I am going to pick a ship, which none of us has done yet, and correct. go with uh, the Enterprise of the original series, I guess. The con- the Constitution, the very first one on our list. NCC-1701. Alright. I am going to hedge against the fact that I'm probably going to screw up the later rounds when I stop recognizing any of these people and take a second captain, and I'm going to take Catherine Jane away. Damn you, sir. As my second yeah. captain. <laughs> Okay, it's getting really, it's, you know, I mean, I got to say that, that the prime captains are, are thin on the ground at this point. I am going to take um, an opposing force, an alien threat, the Klingon Empire. You know I had to do that. I think that's an excellent choice. Uh, I need to hop back up to the, towards the top here and uh, fill out some, fill out some bridge staff, I think. And I still need an engineering officer i believe so um let's take mr miles o'brien yeah oh that was gonna be my next pick good one yeah um dave can i get a ruling here uh i think i may have missed a couple uh, is sulu still available for helmsman yes sulu is still available <laughs> for helmsman <laughs> oh my <laughs> all right i'm gonna take him scotty is gone i'm sorry Scotty I'm is gone he's in my stable scotty all right cool um, I'm gonna go to morale officer and pick Guinan because damn it, damn that's you. A good one. That's the uh, really good one. <laughs> well, Nobody has picked any navigators or science officers yet. By the way, yeah. I will continue to not do that. <laughs> um, well, I can't take the Borg Queen, but I'm gonna take the rest of the Borg yeah. for my opposing forces and alien threat. Good call. I am going to take Tasha Yar in uh, secure. She's a security officer. Is that? Yeah, right? she is. She is. It's, it's one of the, another uh, another kind of wacky, not wacky, but I mean off the beaten path, perhaps. But yesterday's Enterprise, one of the all time classics. Got to go with that. Uh, I'm not seeing black goo on the uh, foe list. So. <laughs> yeah, black goo yeah. was only in one episode. <laughs> Sarah. Um, I guess I need a navigator, and since he is listed here as a navigator in season one of Next Generation, I am going to take Worf as my navigator. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's ops, really. But yeah, he was he, season one. He was kind of a, a filling in bridge guy, but he sat in ops a lot because Data was away a lot. And then in the most toys episode, he actually got the position when they thought Data was dead. So that's why he's on ops, people. All right, and he had a red shirt, right? Uh, first oh, season, yeah. Until Tasha died, yeah. Um, all right, I have a question again. 
Uh, science officer, have have we struck Spock from science officer? No, no. Spock, Spock has not been picked as a science officer, only as a first. Oh God! <laughs> score. Spock, that is a major now. score. Which, if you remember, you can have people as first and science. They can hold both positions, right. but they're not in this case. Okay. Spock All right, I'm going to jump back back to uh, Captain, and I'm going to take Christopher Pike, because I admire the laziness of sitting in a chair all the time and not even speaking to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That is a choice after your own heart, if ever I have heard one. But you have to deal with all that, uh, you know, like, you're going to have to really hit the exfoliant, like, every day, Tara. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Prepared to do that. All right. (laughs) Beep! (laughs) All right, um... This is either going to be a really good pick or a really bad pick because I have no idea what people think of this character. Um, but for my medical officer, I'm taking Beverly Crusher. Well, she's a competent doctor. She did, but she did give birth to Wesley Crusher. So you gotta, yeah, that's, that's, that's the problem. He, he's the one I know not to pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wesley Crusher. Oh, my gosh. Back to me? Yeah. Yep. Um, it occurs to me that I have not yet picked, I know I picked one captain, I, p- I picked Cisco, but I better fill in that second chair, uh, before we get down to Harry Kim's, you know, as the only pickings <laughs> left. So I'm actually going to go with William Riker as captain. Okay. okay. Still need a first officer. I, you know what? I'm just going to take number one cause she's number one. <laughs> yeah. Major Barrett in uh, the cage. So the original. Oh, the pilot. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Real right. power. All yeah. right. Check out my man for navigation. Slash ops. Okay. Dated. Holy. Wait. Wait, wait guys. What? Because <laughs> I just really want him. To, I, want, I want to come to. Hey, Pavel. I'm, I'm a little bored. Can you do that thing where you tell everybody about torpedoes in super slow motion? From the <laughs> he could do it like at least once a day, and uh, he's 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 delivered ROI for me. Uh, same category: navigator slash ops. I'm picking data. That's a good one. Solid. Well, while there's a run on this category, I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to have Kirstie Alley on my ship because Lord knows you want crazy. So uh, I'm going to take Savic. <laughs> <laughs> it's Curse the Alley Sub, yeah. I'm looking at Navigator Ops, and it's looking pretty sad. And uh, so, you know what? I'm going to go wild choice. I'm going to go with the animated series, James Doohan. Good enough for me, RX. <laughs> nice. It's a desperation choice, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> sure. hmm. um, I guess I should pick a second captain before everyone is gone. Look at all these deckers. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of tempting to pick Stephen Collins, but then you remember that he's, you know, really gross. It's <laughs> probably not okay to pick him. So, uh, you know what? Let's take Captain Jordy LaForge. Yes. That is from a, a future timeline shown in Voyager. And, uh, all right. So I'm going to skip over to Medical Officer, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> pick my favorite doctor, Dr. Bashir. Oh, oh, good choice. Dr. Bashir, I presume. All right, I'm jumping down to uh, children slash pets, and I'm picking Porthos. Damn it! Archer's dog before he gets picked, and that's exactly why. I knew he was going to be popular. No, I didn't forget. It's just it's a low-priority pick. Well, it was. Okay, so I just realized I don't have any anybody in engineering, and yet 
I don't know any of the people who are left in engineering, so I'm going to save those to the end, like my kickers in football. So <laughs> instead, now I'm even just like looking in the names of like actors. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have LaForge as my helmsman. You don't already have LaForge anywhere? Nope. I can't believe it, but I think the Enterprise D is available, is it not? It is. I'm picking that as my first ship. Yeah, that was going to be my next pick, so it was a good time. To... Yeah, mine too. So I'm just going to take a some sort of recognizable ship and go with the uh, Enterprise NX-01 from Enterprise. Mm, the original. I'm gotcha. taking the one that you have to wind up like a Victrola and then <laughs> Yeah, gotcha. Boy, I'm tempted to pick a ship now, but I think all like the super great ones are... Oh, wait, I have to pick two as well. So, all right, I'm going to go, and I'm going to take uh, uh, 1701A, the uh, ship from some of the movies, uh, post... Good choice. Shocking self-destruct. Okay, I don't have a medical officer yet, so I'm going with the doctor, a.k.a. emergency medical hologram, Mark yeah. 1, as Damn recently it. seen in Hail Caesar, Robert Picardo. <laughs> he is so great. I need a ship. Um, <laughs> he somebody says take despairingly. P- somebody <laughs> take pity on me and tell me which is the Deep Space Nine ship with the circle? The Defiant? Defiant, yeah. Okay, that's the one I'm taking. Yeah, that's a good firepower first choice. Defiant. The first Defiant, okay. I'm going to uh, pick my first recurring foe and have it be Lore. Oh, good one. It is a good choice. Um... I need a communications officer, um, but I don't really recognize anyone on this list except Sato, and I don't do not want. So <laughs> perhaps I will move on to science officer. Uh, I don't think I can take Chekhov again. Oh, you know what? I'm going to take seven of nine. Ah, I had my solid. Seven of nine was in charge of astrometrics, which is why she's lumped in here. Uh. Can I confirm that uh, in the captain pile, uh, data? Oh, wait, I already picked data for something else, so I can't pick data. Um, so yeah, ca- Data is available based on his role in the episode Redemption, where he got temporary command of a ship, and then his first officer was nasty to him. But <laughs> Is there a section where Data is your sex partner? Um <laughs> That is, I feel, a category we <laughs> forgot about. I will pick data. All right. I am going to, therefore, skip. And this is good. This might be the funkiest choice, the one that do or die. But I got a plan. I am going to go. I am picking Wesley Crusher so I can control his fate. <laughs> wow. Rich. Uh, well, are you picking him as a child oh, slash child. pet? pet. Okay. Yes, okay. I'm picking him oh as God. a pet because that is how I am going to use him or abuse him. Ooh, that's Jeez, this got wow. Yeah, that took a this turn. Now like really? you got to remember, yeah. You know, but but what I'm saying is, he has some attributes that are worth using later on the series. Like is that whole traveler arc where he kind of becomes a little omniscient, but. Really, I just want him so I can control him, so I can contain him. Okay. It's uh, a public service to the universe is what I'm saying. Uh, mine is, <laughs> for engineering, because I don't have anyone in that category yet, I'm going with Reginald Mad Dog Murdoch Barkley, Rachel. Nice. Uh, that is my choice. <laughs> oh, Reg. In my attempt to somewhat game the system here, 
I'm going to pick original John Delancey Q as my Q. That is a solid choice. I am actually, because someone, because you all put the children slash pets on my radar and I had totally forgotten about it and that piece of paper kind of got buried. <laughs> I am, while I am thinking of it, I'm just going to snap up the tribbles. Yeah. <laughs> I am taking Chester the cat from PS9. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to take Q under recurring foes. Okay. Get him in that way. As my flavor of Q, I'm going to pick Amanda Rogers, the great Olivia Dabo. Oh, damn it. Should have known. Um, for my science officer, because I don't have a science officer, T-Paul? T-Paul. T-Paul. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sucker. I'm a dummy. I mean, great pick. Yep. Remember when she was a thing? Boy. That didn't God, work. for yeah. like a hot second, right? Oh, man. Um, I am actually going to go counselor recreation and i'm gonna go with quark because he's awesome (laughs) um i i need a clarification on the rules it says here pick a chief and an assistant medical officer yes but i don't know who are chiefs and who are assistants well anybody can fill any role oh okay great then dr flox (laughs) oh stephen collins i forgot about him Oh dear! No, thank Ooh. you. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna round out my. Oh boy, I don't. There's some. Some. Oh, I'm so. Oh, we're so. <sighs> Guys, I think I still need a security tactical officer, and they're pretty much all gone. So I'm just gonna go ahead. Who wants Tom Paris? So I'm gonna go Tuvok. Okay, I'm going to go down to opposing forces and alien threats, and I'm going to go with the Dominion because I'm Canadian. Damn you. Because you're what? Canadian. Oh. <laughs> it's not, not that kind of Dominion. I, didn't, I don't know anything choice. else about it. That's all I know is by the game, the name. The Dominion Dude. of Canada is what we're called. Also, it is a grocery chain. All right. I still I have no so. confidence in picking individual foes, so I'm going to take my second alien threat and take the Romulans. Oh, that's a good one good because i didn't know because <laughs> the dominion got snapped up and i really wanted it but it's okay i'm gonna get over it um i'm gonna go with the cardassian union and opposing yeah. forces i guess i should pick an, an opposing force that um you know it is memorable i i'm the conspiracy parasites sounds kind of fun but i'm not gonna <laughs> pick that i'm actually gonna show the animated series some love since uh Mr. Cider so generously put the animated series on here. Love it. And I'm going to go with the Kazinti. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm picking them. I heard that if you pee in space, there's these parasites that like swim up your pee tree <laughs> and they stick in your penis. The conspiracy parasites. Conspiracy. Um, well, how about a threat from within? Section 31. Okay. Nice. Okay, I'm going to jump back to communications officer because I don't have one yet, and all the good ones are taken, so I'm going to pick Trillia because she's a go-go. Ah, she was on my radar for only that reason. (laughs) Exactly. That's from Star Trek IV. Okay, I also need a communications officer, and I don't know who any of these people are, (laughs) but I know that Star Trek II is the movie everybody likes, so I'm going to take Kyle from Star (laughs) Trek II and hope that he's someone. 
yeah. He's what category was that? Communications officer. Right. He's a, he was a recurring character in the original series, and then he was on the Reliant at the beginning of Star Trek Two. Oh, so he did not fare very well. Nobody. I'm Reliant gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> I have not previously chosen Pavel Chekhov for anything, I believe, so I'm going to go with Chekhov for science officer. That's from uh, Star Trek Three. He identifies himself as the acting science officer when they blow up the Enterprise. Nice. I need someone to steer this thing, so sticking with um, sticking with animated series, I'm going to take Ensign Dawson Walking Bear, because <laughs> Dawson, and it's voiced by James Doohan. Okay. My goodness. It's getting tough now. I still don't have a morale officer, even though I don't really care. Now, I want to believe that nobody's picked Troy yet, because everybody hates Troy. Is that That's correct? correct. <laughs> no one has picked Troy yet, yes. <laughs> Camel Troy? No. Uh, it's tempting, but I'm going to look a little further, and and the captains are pretty much decimated. So I'm just going to go with a <laughs> sentimental choice here, and fast forward to all good things, and pick Beverly Picard as my second captain to compliment like uh, Mr. Picard. Nice. You don't have her as medical officer. I don't. I have a... Uh, no, Bashir. I do. Well, I have to pick a helmsman, and I'm going to go with Lieutenant Hawk, because that's crazy two light eyes guy, Neil McDonough. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh God. Giant baby head. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also accept right? giant baby head, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so I need foes, and only on the basis of the upcoming uh, canon entry... I liked this actress in it. So I'm assuming this is an evil version of Kira Neris, uh, Intendant Kira Neris. Yeah, from the Mirror Universe. Sure, I'll take lots her. of eyeliner. Just think, think lots. Of, lots uh, of even better. Go even happier with my choice now. Lot, yeah, it's a it's a good choice. Man, I have a feeling that Children Pets is going to become a trash fire very quickly. So I'm going to go with um, Nog actually from. Uh, from Deep Space Nine. Uh, I guess I should pick a Q. I'm going to take the Corbin Burnson Q because that just <laughs> makes me laugh. Of course. Q2, the second quarter of our uh, annual report. He was kind of a smart... He yes. was like... He was a good Q. He had like a... See that he, would he was like a playboy smarmy Q. Q. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. He was basically... Smarmy Q. Yeah. My least favorite dessert, smarmy Qs. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do it. I, because I, I, I kind of want, just want the brand recognition of Troy for Morales. Just so, you know, in case I'm not quite sure what the super obvious thing that's happening, the vibe in the room, I can look at her. To, <laughs> I'm sensing anger. No shit! <laughs> <laughs> really? So yet another, yet another uh, member of your team that you drafted just to heap abuse on. <laughs> I call it my OK Corral team. <laughs> All right, I need a science officer, and I'm going to go with Jadzia Dax, because she's all right. Oh, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's okay. And if you don't like her, you can switch her out with uh, you know, right. whatever that thing that goes inside of her. Sure. Yeah. You could Ooh. just switch her into Esri Dax. Yeah. Okay, I'm just now realizing that I can pick Sally Kellerman for my counselor recreation morale officer <laughs> from the original series, so I'm going to take her. Yeah. Elizabeth Daner. Daner, I think. It's been Denner. a while. Yeah, she was uh, in the the second pilot. So. 
I am the Dave Cole of pronouncing Star Trek names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, leaning in hard on the DS9 uh, lore, as it were, uh, I'm going to go with the great Mark Alimo Guldicott for a recurring foe. That is my second mm. and final recurring foe. Good choice. Am I allowed to pick another person voiced by the same voice by Barrett? Ooh. Yes. That not? Yeah, voicing does not count. It's, voicing it's doesn't count? Yet, All right. Actually. Well, since I really don't want to be stuck with Sato, I'm taking Mares <laughs> from the animated series as my communications officer. All right. I like to pick my medical assistant now. And can I confirm that Nurse Chapel is still available? She is still available. I would like to take Christine Chapel, please. Over to me. I still need a first officer. And I pick Stephen Collins. Just kidding. I'm going with, is Kira Norris available still for first officer? Uh, as, first, as first officer, she is, yes. That's an awesome choice for this late. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, that's why I checked. I wasn't sure if I missed a cross off. Um, I am going to pick as my second medical officer, Dr. Catherine Pulaski from Next Generation. Because if I wind up regretting this pick, I can always... Shove her down an open elevator. There it is. There we go. I like the way you think, this. Got something for this. Nice. There we go. (laughs) Ouch. I have not chosen a medical officer this entire time, Whoa. and I was trying to. Well, get I hope out none of, of your crew somehow. catches anything out in space. Hey, wait, my you crew have, is going do you to have get Riker whatever. on your team? Because that guy is just all STDs. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a walking, like, yeah, it's, bad things are happening. Um, I will just go for my first choice with uh, Alyssa Ogawa from TNG. Uh, she seemed pretty cool, so. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the pets before I get stuck with something terrible. I will be taking uh, Livingston, Picard's fish. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to pick my engineering assistant now and go with uh, Torres from uh, Voyager. One of the half-decent characters from that show. Oh, I loved her. Yeah. Her and Scott. Um, I still need Oh, an- man, that's a killer team. <laughs> I still need another ship, and I'm going with the USS Sutherland because I choose to believe it's named after Donald Sutherland, and he can uh, give us soothing narration like on a Delta flight. <laughs> or uh, the Simpsons episode where he... Uh... Oh, you have arthritis? <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, well, now I'm in pet mode, so now I really can't uh, can't stray from this. Some of these are names of either people or pets. <laughs> Um, that I don't know. <laughs> Joe doesn't care. I don't care. Honestly, at this point, I don't care. Um, Spot. Sure. I'm going to take somebody Ooh. called Spot. Wow, Spot shit. is Spot really a good choice. Yeah, yeah, played by Brian Bonsall. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. Oh. Uh, Spot's a good cat. That's, that's Data's uh, cat. That's, that's what a, I thought. That's a, good, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I have not yet picked a communications officer, so I'm going to go old school and go with... Uh, Janice Rand. Hmm. All right. I guess I will take a second ship. Um, I could pretend that I'm torn, but I really have no idea at this point which ships are better or worse than the others. So let's take a good old-fashioned Klingon bird of prey. Nice. They seem pretty dangerous. Sweet. I'm going to take the HMS Bounty. Mm. I was I had my eye on that one to Me pair too. up with my, yep. with my Star Trek IV Enterprise. But no more. All right. Sorry. That's okay. That's fine. I feel like a second ship. 
You know, we all got good first ships. We'll take care of them, guys. I don't really think it's a big deal. Um, so I need a, a second foe and a second threat and a Q and a pet. That, that sounded like a Dr. Seuss Star Trek I was going to say. Boy, I am so tempted to take Harry Mud because he's such a... <laughs> but I also really love the character of Galron. Oh, dude, that's a great choice. And I think I'm going to go with that. Which category yeah. is that? This is Recurring Foe. Okay. And going with the Klingon Galron, who has crazy eyes. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, I need to fill out my medical team, and I'm going to go with Dr. Sealar, the great Susie Plaxen, who's also on this list as an alternate cue, so good for her times two. <laughs> okay, I need a second foe. And at this point, I'm just looking at actors' names. And I'm assuming that anybody played by William Sadler is a good character because he's a good mm-hmm. actor. So I'm taking Luther Sloan of Section 31. I like it. Yeah, really good. He's a shadowy government dude. Sounds it from the, from yeah. the name. Oh, you know what? I'm actually going to fill out my starships, and I'm going to go with, to keep up the yesterday's Enterprise theme a little bit, go with the Enterprise C from that episode. You don't have an Enterprise already? Oh, I do, oh if I do, I have to choose else, elsewise? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do you have, can only okay. have one. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I did I actually have a good backup choice. A def- the Defiant uh, that is uh, formerly the San Paulo. Yes, that's that right? after Second the Defiant def- blows up, they um, get it just paint its number on a different ship. I am very happy with that choice. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like space fraud to me, guys. <laughs> I need another engineering officer. I don't really know who any of these people are anymore, but um, Lieutenant Commander Argyle is a cool name. Yes, so it is. I'm taking him. Or her. I don't even... Yes. Yeah, he was one of the many chief engineers they had in the first season of Next Generation. They couldn't keep him. It's like the drummer in Spinal Tap. We, he went off to find his fortune in socks. Okay. All right. I am kind of tempted to take the Ferengi just because they're such a... They went through such a change from terrible mm-hmm. to like slightly less terrible, but still very <laughs> terrible. They're like an interesting, in a different, sort of annoying logical choice, I find. Yeah. Uh, I don't like There's any still the of Gorn, which you were going to take earlier. I know. I'm tempted just because I love the look of the Gorn so much. He's like worse than Godzilla. You can actually see the, 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 the rubber fold on, onto his human arms underneath. So that's got to count for something. Really shocked that no one's taken Lursa and Bator yet. I mean, you're, you're just sleeping on these Klingon ladies. And I don't get it. But. Oh, uh, I'm talking the uh, opposing forces. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I've got I'm my just... individuals snapped up. Um, but yeah, they're good. They're like uh, kind of like out of Game of Thrones, sort of. Um, yeah, they're, they're nuts. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with the Gorn. Okay, um, I'm going to go in the same category and fill out my recurring foes with the Breen Confederacy in honor of the great character actor Patrick Breen. I like the rationale Um, So I'm going to take my second ship And I haven't picked an Enterprise yet So I'm going to pick, sorry Mo The one that you've already pointed out for me is a good one So the Enterprise C You're welcome Thank you Sneaky I need a second engineer And I feel I'm actually torn at this late stage in the game I'm a little bit torn between 
Trip Tucker and Rom. Uh, Connor Trenier, Max Grodenchik. I'm going to go with Rom. Head over heart. Heart over head. One of those. I don't know. That's my choice. Uh, I think I need a counselor, recreation, morale, bartender, <laughs> masseuse thing. Um, I, I guess I'll take Esri Dax. Who's Dax? And I don't know She's these fine. Is the Excelsior still uh, available? It is. All right. So here's my thinking on this one. Yes, it was uh, kiboshed by Montgomery Scott um, by just taking out a few little doodads. But I have Montgomery Scott in my stable, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about his expertise uh, sort of ruining that ship. Also... I have Sulu in my stable who commands the, uh, that ship. So I feel like I got the right staff to make this ship, which is inherently very powerful. Uh, in its timeline, it was the most powerful ship. So I think that's a solid choice for my backup. So I'm going All right. to um, I still need one more kid or pet, and I'm going to go with um, Jake Sisko because, I don't know, I got no beef with him. Jake is good people. He loves baseball. Oh, is that his thing? Great. Well, his dad loves baseball, and he loves baseball because he's got okay. no personality of his own, I assume. <laughs> w slash okay. I also need. <laughs> I also need one more child or pet. And the idea that this character was played by Scarlet Palmer's mostly is intriguing to me because I'm not quite sure what the mostly means. Uh, so I'm going to take Naomi Wildman from Voyager. She ended up playing her. Uh, it was like the kid aged very rapidly, so there were right. several actors. Oh, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly. I, <clears throat> from the Q category, is Riker gone? No, Riker no, is still I there. I don't think so. I already have a Riker as one of my captains. Is that going to interfere with my Q choice? Yes. Oh, damn it. Um, then, you know, I'm going to actually change it up and I'm going to go into the medical officer category. I'm going to choose Sarah April from the animated series, the uh, medical officer voiced by Nichelle Nichols. Okay, I'm just uh, sweeping up here with recurring foes um, that Louise Fletcher played a recurring foe on DS9, must be acknowledged by me. Vedic Win Adami, you are now yes. off the board. Very That's good choice. All right. Um, I don't have a Riker yet, so I'm going to take Q Riker. It's a good one. Um, I'm going to take the other non-lore Brent Spiner recurring foe and pick Arik Soon. Uh, can I just ask one question on the Q Riker before we move too far ahead? Uh, Dave, am I correct? Is the Q Riker the same episode where the mariachi band is, is formed? <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, okay. We'll look that up. Because if oh, so, geez. bonus! It's <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I am down to my engineering officers. Um, I don't even know what I'm going by at this point. I think I have a lot of next generation people at this point, so I want to go elsewhere. And who doesn't like somebody with a nickname of Trip? So I'm going to take Charles Trip Tucker the uh, Third from Enterprise. This yeah. is my last choice, I think. Yeah, yep. um, we're all down my to last. Six choice is a cue and I just did not make an early and wise choice in this category but Keegan DeLancey I'm going to go with Q Jr. because it's ah. a baby Q. Q. <laughs> Q. Like literally that's awesome. 
Yes, he's literally John Delancey's son. So keep um, it in the family. I'm down to forces and threats. I guess I'll take the conspiracy parasites. <laughs> they came back. Yay. Now it's their time to shine. <laughs> They're parasites. It's what they do. All right. I my last one is children and pets. Just out of curiosity, do, does Tara or Joe? What's your last Corey? Is is it any of them foes? No, Dave, D- Joe, and I both are down to engineering. Okay. Oh no! I just want to point oh, out shit. one of the great foes, and I kind of feel like I should have picked this guy. Uh, James Moriarty is still. Yeah, I saw. I yeah. considered that. He's a good holodeck foe, which is like kind of a Star Trek staple. Sure. Um, all right. So my last choice for pet or child: Who can keep Wesley Crutcher company in his little cage? Hmm. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander, are you going to go there? Oh Alley boy, that is a. I'm, I'm tempted. I, I'm seriously tempted. Um, Speaking from your purely altruistic point of view, Lala was one of my big choices. I did not get to make, but Lala's a, Lala's yeah. great. Um, She's I also, if I took Molly O'Brien, children. I would also have like a, it'd be weird. She wouldn't be with her dad, but then like I could get him on the horn a lot and be like, "Yeah, your <laughs> your 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 kid's sad." Um, by the way, how can we boost output by 10%? <laughs> so I'm going to do that, Molly O'Brien. All right, well, Joe, it's a it's a blind pick, you and me, in the sure engineering is. officer category. So I'm going to go with Sarah McDougal because I support women in STEM careers. Look at you. Very good. It's a good pick. All right, so I'm picking, well, I got to take a Joe, right? Joseph Joe Carey from Voyager. Hey, good point. There you go. And that's it. Oh, my God. We did that's it. Thank you, guys. Wow. Excellent. Okay. So Google the Google Doc for this, the draft document, will be available so you can play along and see what we did not pick and what our choices were from the very start. So please follow along. And then on the episode page for this, correct? That's where we'll put the poll? Or should we put it in the we'll put, uh, forum? We'll do a post. And so it'll be on previously done. We'll do okay. a post in the yes. category. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be on the site somewhere. It'll be also, if it's not in the show notes for this episode, it'll be linked there. So yeah. go there. Vote who has the best fantasy Star Trek draft. <laughs> yep. And the winner uh, will, uh, will have $25 given in their name to a donor's choice. Donors choose. Donors choose, sorry. Uh, project of their choosing, correct? Yes, in the area yes. of science. Yeah. Science Excellent. and space related. Yes. A big thanks to Mr. Dave uh, Snyder for yes. managing Thank you so much, Star David Trek Snyder. Draft. That was amazing. This was amazing. Uh, Dave's going to stick around. Truly Welcome. great work. There's more Star Trek fun to have uh, in, later in this episode, so he's going to stick around and chime in on our canon. And uh, with that, let's move on with our show. everybody it is time to go around the dial first stop tara ariano um i wanted to first of all give a shout out back to joe reed for his recommendation a few weeks back of full frontal with samantha b i did start hey. watching it's so good yep it really is what a great slash terrible time to start watching it <laughs> right around the time <laughs> of the republican national convention but she had um two special episodes last week i'm sure they are still available on demand if you don't, did not watch them the first one was just a standard in the studio you know, sort of doing comedy bits and segments. And then she also did a kind of special documentary where they go 
on the road in Herman Cain's old bus, which they yes. kind of updated with and stuck a big, <laughs> like a <laughs> whatever those things are called, the stickies over of her head over Herman Cain's. Uh, got a lot of good mileage from the writers getting on the bus saying it smelled like pizza and chlamydia. It was like it was very <laughs> funny. Um, and I would not be among the people who would say this election has been good for comedy because that's not a good reason for somebody to be in the mix political wise, particularly. However, all of last week's, uh, the late night shows were particularly on point and great. Stephen Colbert did five live episodes, um, airing right in their usual time slot, except live so that they could immediately cover stuff that had happened that night of the convention, more or less. Um, and then Seth Meyers, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers did, did one only after the last night, which was maybe a mistake because it meant that he didn't go on until like 2.30 in the morning because the Donald Oof. Trump speech on the last night was so long. Um, but if you are interested in this campaign and want to laugh bitterly at it, uh, I recommend um, all of these posts, uh, all of these shows. Uh, they'll be covering the DNC this week, and I, it'll be interesting to see the differences when, you know, I don't think I'm speaking out of school to say, more or less these shows tend to be left wing ish. Um, so they'll still have to make jokes, but I imagine they'll want to pull some punches. Anyway, it's always interesting to watch. And the fact that they're back to back is uh, an, a, a, not that common. I feel like with conventions these days and for my plug, I think I forgot to say in our intro of this episode that in addition to the reason we're doing the star Trek this week is because it is star Trek week on previously TV. So we have multiple pieces uh, every day Go to the site previously.tv. There's a all of them are tagged with a an excellent um, Leonard Nimoy as Spock graphic. <laughs> you can see, click on any of those, and you can see all of our coverage from the whole week. And we'll also be, uh, if you follow us on social media, we'll be retweeting on our t- Twitter feed some of our past greatest hits in the Star Trek verse. So I also just say on that tip, when we have something during Star Trek week that isn't about Star Trek, just regular coverage, we yes. always add a little a box at the end, shoehorned Star Trek. <laughs> What if at the end of the story? And I really enjoy those. Yes, Check those out. are very silly. So, um, yeah, definitely follow us on Twitter at Previously TV for um, all of those new and old stories this week. All right, Mo, what do you got? Um, I just want to give a shout out to a show that I've just begun catching up on. I mean, that's one of the good things about the summer when things are less intense than the usual season. And one of the great things about so many things being available on so many different platforms and streaming and, you know, basically there's just a lot around, which can be overwhelming, but it's really, really fun for me when um, I kind of keep hearing about a show, go look, track it down, find it, and I'm super psyched. I already wrote a piece this summer about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I have really liked, so I'm not going to recap that. What I haven't actually written about yet, but I hope to at some point, is um, NBC's Superstore, which I think even two years ago would have, you know, been canceled by now, but they brought (laughs) it back. It's coming back this September. I I really, I I haven't dug into, I'm sure someone like Joe Adelian over at Vulture, someone's done a story about why NBC basically seems to have boned Superstore pretty hard, like not in a good way. Like they just don't, um, they rolled it out in December and it was like they were double, there were some episodes that aired like back to back and like it just did not get like a, a proper good rollout in my view, you know, and I think that that's a fairly common belief. Um, but it's basically America Ferrera is uh, the lead of the show, and it's the staff of a uh, sort of like a giant like Super Target or Costco kind of store. And it's really funny. It's it's really pointed with its humor, but it's really got a very much a vibe of 
The Office and the creator, Justin Spitzer, uh, wrote on The Office. So if you're kind of looking for that slot in your life to be filled again, where it's kind of the ensemble, office comedy in the, in the mold of um, Parks and Recreation, The Office, very tight writing, very good performances. I mean, Ben Feldman is also in the cast, uh, Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall, and a bunch of other actors who I think are not as you know, well-known is the ones I just named, but they're very, very funny. It's a very, I mean, it's one of those shows that right out of the gate, it told you what it wanted to be. And it, it is that, and it's, it's really been to me like extremely funny, but it also kind of willing to get into it in terms of like, uh, there's an episode about how they're trying to really sell a lot of the uh, senior cloud salsa. <laughs> and there's a lot in that episode to do with racial stereotyping and stuff, but it's all, it's, it can be pointed, but it's very funny. And it's actually ultimately like Parks and Rec in The Office. Ultimately, there's kind of a warm-hearted spirit behind it. You know, it's not as as dark as something on, say, like maybe Showtime or HBO might be. Um, so I think it's a really good – I'm really glad that, you know, NBC's comedy, you know, su- supply is right now just a, a dumpster fire. Like, we just don't have <laughs> anything. And I think NBC being a dumpster fire, as many people have written – is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to be happened to TV because they keep renewing good shows because they literally did not have anything else. Yep. So Superstore continues to benefit from that legacy of uh, NBC incompetence. Although I mean things are better at, inco- at NBC. They've they've righted the ship for the most part. Um, so I don't mean to trash them too much. It's, we're not in Ben Silverman land, but uh, <laughs> Superstore Superstore exists. It is a show. It's on Hulu. I think you should track it down. I think it's really fun and funny, and uh, I've been very entertained by it. And we should say, for your plugs, we can find your writing at? Oh, at uh, Variety.com, and I'm on the Twitter at uh, at Mo Ryan, M-O-R-Y-A-N, and I opine there frequently. True. Joe Reed. Hey, so uh, Saturday night, HBO aired The Looking Movie, the uh, the wrap-up movie after the show was canceled after two seasons, the sort of long-awaited thing that Deadwood fans have been waiting for forever and ever and ever uh, that hasn't <laughs> happened for Deadwood, has happened for Looking. So it can happen where they give you the wrap-up movie. And uh, I thought it also it happened out... for Hello Ladies, Joe, so oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. Um, (laughs) So I thought it was actually a really – I thought it turned out really well. I thought it was kind of a sort of a peek in back at the characters. Uh, Jonathan Groff's character returns to San Francisco after having left for Colorado and there's a wedding and we sort of see kind of subtly and through you know, these – really well-acted, well-filmed scenes, how far the characters have come over the years, and just sort of seeing where they're at with their lives, with their love lives, sort of what they are seeking out of their lives. And it gets into some interesting sort of like political stuff within the gay community about like marriage and about whether marriage is something that now that we can have it, is that still something that we, you know, necessarily should want and, you know, normativity versus queerness and yada, yada, yada. But it does it in, I think, a pretty character, a way that's pretty true to the characters, which I thought was good. And, uh, you know, cameo by Tyne Daly there, near the end there, so you can't really go wrong there. She actually has a really good scene, so it's nice. Um, 
But yeah, I really liked it. I ended up uh, interviewing the three main stars of the show, Jonathan Groff, Murray Bartlett, and uh, Frankie Alvarez for Decider.com. So if you go over there and uh, look up uh, Looking the Movie, you can find that. I also reviewed the movie for, uh, for also for Decider. So check it out. I liked it. Sarah D. Bunting. Um, so unreal. Um, yeah. I'm I'm starting to think they don't know what they're doing, and there's and it's just like this unlimited series of double, triple, quadruple crosses, mm-hmm. and that they're. I don't think they're like cynically trying to make it um, outre or offensive or like really you know, we're pushing boundaries for the sake of pushing boundaries. Like I, I think that there is a felt understanding of these shows and this world and it's still super watchable. I really enjoy the performances, but it is getting to a point. Um, and Tara touched on this in her excellent, as always coverage of the most recent episode. As we record this, there will be another episode airing tonight, but the most recent one, as we record, this was Darius getting pulled over, et cetera. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That I'm I'm starting to feel like they're not sure, especially with the return of Rachel's mother and this whole, like, Buffy in the insane asylum, Mrs. Robot, like, direction we seem to be going for the next episode. I, I'm not feeling confident that they know what they're doing or what the, like, show's strengths are in terms mm-hmm. of bedrock character traits um but i'm also wondering if maybe that's just me is anyone else feeling like we might be treading a little water with the constant one-upsmanship of shitty behavior i totally think you're right i mean i think that i've seen like i would actually compare it to a couple of other shows uh recently uh and actually um some shows do it in their third season some shows do it in their second when I feel like they they latch on to what they think people liked about their show and just pump that up to 11. And I don't think right. that what necessarily people were saying about Unreal was it's crazy twists and turns and outrageous things that happen. I, I mean, I just find it like, really, you're going to have black men pulled over and the only follow through for that. And I understand that it's at the end of the episode. The only follow through for that is for the white characters. It was just really exploitative and nonsensical and and not good. But like the hundred did this in its third season. It just was like, we're the show that does shocking things. But the point was that they set those things up really well. And even if they came off as a shock in the moment, it made logical sense. And it also kind of had an emotional impact and Unreal is not setting that stuff up and, and following it through. I mean, this similar thing, I think, with Orphan Black starting in season two, really. It's just like, let's throw more cons- layers of conspiracy stuff at people. And we're like, you know, we really like Tatiana Maslany in the cast. How about, how about like, they just do things and it <laughs> makes some sense? <laughs> you know? How about yeah. we just see the process, which is shocking enough. And then, yeah. you know, Romeo's been off screen for several episodes. Then he's back. And that's no, with no yeah. explanation, which I also no character like, development. This am I wrong? Like the, the obviously people do like the Quinn Rachel of it all. I'm not discounting that, but like the c- contestants this season are one dimensional. Whereas last season that was a huge strength that they were not. And then this season, um, the Bachelors not. It, it's not the fault of uh, B J Britt or um, the guy playing Romeo. They're fine. 
AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! They just haven't been given anything real to do or any real arc that has any kind of continuity. Right. Well, and the more wobbly the drama gets, the more it calls attention to the fact that, like, the little quibbles that I have with how they depict how the television show is actually run, which does bother me. This whole idea that, like, it's basically being, like, churned out Big Brother style, where it's just, like, apparently just, like, being produced week to week and day to day and live, essentially, that is just, like, if you're so well-studied in The Bachelor, like, this is not how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. It's been very, I don't know, does anyone else feel like it's been very, like, it feels like by episode five, they were two-thirds of the way through the season, and that did not track at all with what it was occurring on the screen. It just did not make any sense to me that they were down to, like, four girls or three, you know what I mean? It just... It, it just felt very off in terms of how it was supposed to be working. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah it's no, been, I, it's, I mean, it might be one of those. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I think it maybe it's one of those things where like you have this lovingly crafted first season that you spent a lot of time thinking about and gestating. And then when you get the second season, and also I think there was like another Sherry Appleby pregnancy in there, which might've thrown off the shooting schedule for the show, not the show within the show. But this might just be one of those like sophomore scramble things that you see with some shows. But I'm I'm feeling like things aren't as well thought out and that we're seeing a lot of like the same beats we saw last year. But now it's not as believable that we would see it again. Well, but also there's the whole thing of like when the season started, it was so much of Rachel being like, we have a black suitor. This is revolutionary. We're going to do so much. And then it's like in the show with in everlasting as in unreal both. They've just squandered this opportunity. And now, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing with the traffic stop feels like, oh, shit, maybe we should do something about what makes this life different for this character. And then they, it, but it's so exploitative. And having the Jay character at the end tell Rachel, this is not your story to tell. It's like, well, it's maybe not your story to tell either, Ever uh, Unreal, because. Yeah, the fact that you're hanging a lantern on what's wrong about the storyline does not 
prevent the the you know us from realizing there are many things wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not how exactly. that works. No. Yep. Anyway, um, I'm glad it's not just me. Again, I still really look forward to the show every week, and I think it's you know, but I think it's struggling a little. Um, my plug is that uh, on previously TV, I wrote. I couldn't really think of anything specific to say about the most recent episode of the night of so i pitted one of its heroes uh john turturro's jack stone against law and order's ben stone oh dear um in a showdown the winner might surprise you but um in the category of who's played by a less bonkers actor um (laughs) i don't think there's any spoilers there the prime minister of um manitoba or whatever the fuck he's running for israel Uh uh-huh <laughs> That's right. Skizreal. Yeah, he's he's kook balls. Right. Anyway, yes, please check it out on previously.tv. All right, quickly, I dipped a little further into Stranger Things, have not finished it yet. I'm just kind of nibbling on here and there. But I will say, uh, I finally found my Squirrel Girl casting choice. Um, you remember maybe about two or three months ago, I was talking about how I started reading the comic. And it was really great, and that should be the next marvel netflix thing they do uh but barb from stranger things uh played by shannon purser uh is exactly what i had in mind for (laughs) squirrel girl she looks exactly right and uh, just put a fuzzy tail on her you know give her some teeth (laughs) and uh just let her you know have some moments of levity levity and i i think uh i think we nailed it guys so uh, i'll get marvel on the on the phone i'll set that up and uh we can look forward to that in the months to come sounds like <laughs> having a fluffy tail would be much better for barb than what actually happens to her yeah. yes. from what i hear can i just say that um barb like uncannily looks like me in high I school saw your like your <laughs> It's it's freakish, and I, I I spent like an hour looking for my high school yearbooks, and I found one of them. <laughs> I found the one in which I appear, and also Shonda Rhimes appears because I did go to high school with Shonda Rhimes. Oh my! Um, yeah, she was a freshman when I was a senior, so I was too cool to actually hang with her. <laughs> but she's in my yearbook. Um, I don't think I have the yearbook photos that show me in my full Barb glory, but I have <laughs> the same glasses, the same high waisted stonewashed jeans. Oh. Everything about her face and her hair is 100% me. And it's a little weird to see your doppelganger on the screen and then, you know, have her have her 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 month not go great. <laughs> it is funny that you would say that she physically resembles you because I have read a lot of other female TV critics being like I was including Karen Bells, who wrote about her for, uh, with, in the second episode of the season for us. Um, say I was Barb in high school because I was Barb in high school too. Like yeah. it's funny that, we but it was like it was a temperament, personality, and looks. It was a little weird. It was yeah. like Whoa. that seems to be a character that a lot of uh, people are finding very familiar. Yes. Maybe not physically, but in other respects. All right, fine, yes. Mo. I'll put your name in too. <laughs> yeah, put me in the mix. Hint, I'm hint, I'm hint, free. Hint. I'm open. Please have them call my people. <laughs> she can play Squirrel Woman. Alright, everybody, it is time for the canon. Mo Ryan is submitting this week. Yes. Take it away, Mo. So there are a number of Deep Space Nine episodes I could have chosen for the canon, and I know that there's a good chance that some listeners out there will have others that they'd have recommended. In the Pale Moonlight is a great episode. There are many excellent standalone episodes and installments from the Dominion War. Uh, you know, various various things along the way, our man Bashir. There's just tons of them. Um, but I'm going to go with Duet, uh, which aired at the end of Deep Space Nine's first season. 
I chose Duet for an array of reasons, but in large part because to me it doesn't just symbolize what this particular show could do at its best or even what the Trek TV franchise can do when it's firing on all cylinders. To me, Duet represents what a mainstream hour-long drama can do when it's really living up to its potential. Um, Star Trek wasn't obviously the only drama to engage in issues of morality and ethics. Obvious, that's been one of the foundational elements of scripted TV since it emerged as an art form. But these days, we tend to view these issues of right, wrong, and murky gray areas in terms of serialized character-driven arcs. Even in, ensemble dra- even in ensemble dramas, TV shows tend to focus on character journeys and how individuals try to figure out what choices they should make in a confusing and conflicted world. Trek, a lot of the time, wasn't really like that. The Jean-Luc Picard in the series finale of Next Generation, or in any of the movies, for that matter, is essentially the same person we met in the very first episode of that show. Over time, he doesn't really change that much. His journey is not the kind of meaty, serialized arc that we've come to take for granted in the more ambitious arenas of television these days, but that's okay because Trek did other things. One of the great things about Star Trek's TV shows is that every week it was a different morality play. And the phrase morality play makes it sound like the shows were preachy, and sometimes they really, really were. (laughs) After watching an episode of a Trek series, sometimes I would turn to my husband and say, I think we all learned something today, and I'd only partly be joking. Star Trek can on occasion be a little didactic, a little lectury, a little like your dad, sometimes more than a little bit. But there's a lot to like about how the franchise approached storytelling on a week-to-week basis. Yes, every Trek series had its rough spots, usually in the first few seasons. But every week, you got a complete story, and frequently that story would be focused on a small number of characters. They would encounter a a problem and try to fix that problem. And often these challenges involved issues of that people at home could relate to, despite the fact that none of us are in outer outer space or wearing tightly fitted polyester space onesies. The Trek crews had good intentions, but it's often said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And while trying to retain their status as enlightened, educated, and compassionate travelers, the Trek crews were constantly thrown into situations in which their assumptions and worldviews were thrown into doubt. And so that brings me to Duet, which is a classic for a few reasons. For for one thing, it's an excellent example of a bottle episode, which is a Star Trek institution, of course. Referring to my Star Trek Deep Space Nine official companion book, which is obviously a book that we all own, I'm just going to go with that assumption, uh, writer Peter Allen Fields noted that, as happens at the end of many seasons of many shows, not just Trek, the budget for Deep Space Nine had mostly run out by the time the writers sat down to figure out what to do with the 19th installment of the season. So Duet had to do what a bottle episode does, use existing sets and have people basically stand around or sit around and talk to each other. Duet does this incredibly well, and it shows us why terrific bottle episodes are one of the best things about TV in general, but the Trek franchise in particular. Duet loads its premise with a lot of dramatic possibilities right out of the gate. You could sit down and watch the episode without knowing anything about Deep Space Nine, as long as you know that the proud, warlike Cardassian race recently ended their occupation of the planet Bajor, and Kira Norris, a former member of the Bajoran Resistance, now works on DS9 as a liaison officer. I'm not going to give away the ending because I want you to watch it. But at the start, a man turns up on the station and very quickly the crew figures out that he is not who he's, who he's, what he seems to be. The only way he could have contracted that condition was to have served at the Galatep labor camp at the time of the mining accident. So that makes him a war criminal just being there. Commander, if you'd been there 12 years ago when we liberated that camp... 
If you'd seen the things I saw, all those Bajoran bodies, starved, brutalized. You know what Cardassian policy was? No, I'm not even talking about the murder. Murder was just the end of the fun for them. First came the humiliation. Mothers raped in front of their children. Husbands beaten until their wives couldn't recognize them. Old people buried alive because they couldn't work anymore. So what transpires throughout this episode is a tense series of interrogation as Kira and the Cardassian, who's named Moritza, spar about not only who he is, but what he may have done while part of the occupying army on her home planet. I helped liberate that camp. I saw the bodies. I know how they died. You saw what we wanted you to see. Who do you think started the rumors about brutality at Galatep? It was Gondahil himself. Now there was a leader. Brilliant, extraordinary man. He knew that to rule by fear was to rule completely. Well, why bother with actual mass murders when just the reports of such incidents have the same effect? Which was? You know as well as I do, Major, to keep you Bajorans thinking of yourselves as victims, to keep you afraid and helpless. It's at this point that I'd like to point out that Peter Allen Fields wrote some very, very good Star Trek episodes, including the Next Generation all-time great, The Inner Light, and the previously mentioned DS9 episode in The Pale Moonlight. He also wrote for old-school shows like McCloud, The Six Million Dollar Man, and the original Xena and Knight Rider, so I would publicly like to thank him for existing because he supplied me with a lot (laughs) of pleasure the past few decades. In any event, Fields took an idea by writers Gene Kerrigan-Fauci and Lisa Rich and turned it into the kind of morality play that became DS9's particular hallmark. There was an ambiguity embedded into the situation that informed the best of the show's episodes and arc. At no point is Maritza or Kira the one-dimensional bad guy, necessarily. She continues to be furious about what the Cardassians did to her people, but it's unclear whether Maritza is a simple file clerk who passively participated in genocide or one of the prime architects of the bloody oppression of her people. She doesn't know how to feel about him because his story keeps changing. But Fields and director James L. Conway handle this instability like the experienced pros they are. Conway's camera spends a lot of time in close-up, focusing on the tight quarters in which these characters find themselves. The episode could have been titled Crucible because it's packed with a lot of well-calibrated tension that eventually explodes, but only when the story calls for it. Speaking of old-school pros, Maritza is played by the great Harris Yulin, and if you get a chance, check out his... Yes. Check out his resume on IMDb. He's been in everything, and you've seen him a dozen times, I have no doubt. He's the kind of character actor who makes every episode of TV and he's in instantly better. Maritza has to embody a lot of different things in a very short time span, and Yulin handles the transitions incredibly well. As Kira, Nana Visitor is impassioned and even enraged at times, but neither she nor Yulin go over the top. And I don't want to give away too much so that you watch not just the episode, but the whole series, if you can. But they do some of their best work in this episode's concluding scenes. All in all, everyone in this episode does a fine job on focusing on one key question and how that question could play out both personally and politically. So the question is, the Kardashian, is ocu- the Kardashian occupation is over, but is it really? I'll let you wonder about that. It'll keep you occupied while we're waiting for the provisional government to prepare your war crimes tribunal. War crimes? How could there be war crimes when there hasn't been a war? Oh, I can understand your wish that there had been a war. Your need to indulge some pathetic fantasy about brave Bajoran soldiers marching to honorable defeat. But in fact, Major, you and I know there was no war, no glory. Bajor didn't resist. 
it surrendered. The Cardassian occupation, the Dominion War, the Jem'Hadar, the role of the religion and the roles of religion and prophecy, the clashing priorities of the Federation and the other players in this big game. These are the things that set DS9 apart and made it such a fertile playground for writers who really wanted to dig into issues of morality, but give them a great deal more ambiguity than you typically saw in some of the other Trek series. It's not that other Trek series didn't have episodes with dark storylines or difficult outcomes, but these kinds of um, challenging, sometimes serialized conflicts were the bread and butter of Deep Space Nine, which was set on a station that stayed in one place. But it showed showcased an array of characters who took adventurous and unexpected character journeys as they grew and evolved. And that's one of the main reasons I love this show is because everybody was different at the end, very different from who they were when it started. Duet aired in DS9's debut season, and as I noted, Trek series often struggle in their first seasons, but this episode broke that mold. It was polished, yet complicated, satisfying, and yet it did not offer a neat, tidy moral at the end of the hour. There are a few scenes, especially toward the end, that I wish had been fleshed out a little further, but overall, it's an episode that symbolizes how smart and probing Deep Space Nine could be. You look at this episode and you're not surprised that several mainstays of the Deep Space Nine writer's room, including Ron Moore, went on to create a classic Golden Age drama that took many of these, many of these ideas even further in Battlestar Galactica. As I get near the end here, and I promise I'm almost done, uh, the duet does something that Battlestar Galactica went on to do really well, something that I came to call the flip during the latter show's run. You would set out thinking one person in a situation was right, but then the story would flip things around and make you see the scenario from another perspective and another and another. You could never feel superior to the characters on the screen because you ended up empathizing with their doubt and their confusion, moral, personal, political, and otherwise. Where it just says, I don't care about the truth, that all I want is vengeance. Are you worried that maybe he's right? All I want is to see him punished. Even if he is just a file clerk. That's just it. I don't want him to be just a file clerk. I want him to be, I don't know, something worse. You want him to be guilty. As far as I'm concerned, if he was a Galatep, he is guilty. They're all guilty. His punishment will let Bajor feel some satisfaction. It sounds like you're trying too hard to believe what you're saying. You already know if you punish him without reason, it won't mean anything. And you already know vengeance isn't enough. I could have nominated Duet because, like some very good shows, Homicide, The Shield, Law and Order, or more recently, The Night Of, it has some A-plus interrogation scenes. I could have nominated it because it gives us a strong indication of Deep Space Nine, of what Deep Space Nine would grow into, which is, in my view, Star Trek's most thorny drama, the one in which characters grew and changed in surprising ways and ended up, at the end of seven years, very different people from when they started. I could nominate it because it takes what Trek dramas at their best do well, create an accessible standalone episode with depth and thoughtful insight, and and takes that model a few notches higher, showcasing a lot of what worked best about pre-Golden Age TV. But the main reason I'm putting forth this episode for the canon is because it's simply an engrossing hour of television, one that keeps you guessing even as you wonder what you would have done had a war criminal showed up at your workplace. Thank you for listening to why I think Duet belongs in the canon. 
and live long and prosper. <laughs> uh, should I go first? Surely. Okay. Sure. Uh, I didn't watch. I mean, I dipped in and out when this show was on, so I, I'm not as steeped in DS9 lore as you are. But this was a very interesting episode, and the fact that it was um, stripped down for budget reasons did not feel obvious. Although once you said it, it was in retrospect, <laughs> but it didn't feel um, it didn't feel cheap or like it was chintzing out. It just felt like a story that was being told in as on as big a canvas as it needed to be. And I will respect your wish not to give away um, the end of the story so that the listener can go back and watch it. It is on Hulu, but uh, I will say it's. I'm always interested in explorations of characters who are dealing with the aftermath of collective guilt like this character is and um and the the extent that he goes to is like it's it's is very sci-fi but at the same time feels very um recognizably i don't want to say human because he is cardassian but (laughs) it feels like a recognizable thing that a person potentially could do even if the solution that he arrives at is one that would not necessarily be possible in our day or uh, in our world. Um, so yeah, I thought, um, there was certainly a lot of potential for the Kira, for Kira to go over the top, but she is very controlled and it's especially interesting that she plays such a tough character. I mean, even just like her posture is so militarized. She feels even when she's not doing anything, you can tell she's strong. And it's, so it's weird when they go in for a close up and like she has the face of a Disney princess, like her eyes especially look like she could be a cartoon. And yet she's like all steel, even when she's getting upset and emotional over her memories of this work camp. It's still, there's, there's no question that she's, um, she feels like she's in control to me. So seeing her face off against the great Harris Yulin, even under all that weird makeup, um, was a pleasure. You're right. He is always the best thing in any episode that he guest stars in. So this was an excellent pick. I thought Sarah, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, for the late great fame tracker, I think the first piece I ever wrote for you was, um, hey, it's that corrupt judge or blathering lawyer yep. about Harris Ulin, <laughs> mm-hmm. who his IMD entry seriously is like 200 things. <laughs> um, he is good. He is very charismatic, but I'm not used to thinking of him as this nuanced. And particularly since he is laboring under all this, you know, Kardashian makeup. I was really quite impressed with it, and I was quite impressed with the way the writing didn't take the easy sort of headline parallels to the liberation of Auschwitz and the other camps during World War II, and that they did keep doing these flips like you talked about, Mo, that like, well, here's, well, maybe it's this, and maybe it's that other thing, and then like this classic, you know, talk about Star Trek, like this Chekhov's gun going off in the third act i won't spoil it either but it was just really well done and riveting and given that they really are sort of like spending a lot of time talking about abstract notions of um morality justice versus vengeance and that kind of thing i was like once the scene is set for you like i for one was like oh boy because you know this could be this could go wrong easily yeah. like they're and often um not everyone <clears throat> in the core of a star trek show is capable of rising to these occasions and so i was like oh boy like this this could be disappointing but i really thought it was great and like interesting and 
it made me think about things that I didn't expect to be thinking about on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> while I was watching this episode. Yep. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, and Avery Brooks continues to be the fucking audiobook narration king of the of Helio Shock. Uh, like yeah. I yeah. just could listen to that guy read anything. Um yeah, it was wonderful. Uh Dave. Okay. Uh you know this episode reminds me of a next generation episode called Chain of Command, which um you may remember as there are four lights where Picard is being interrogated and uh sort of um <laughs> do you remember that one? No. You know yeah. About? You don't, don't remember that one? No. Classic episode, Dara. Okay. Um there are a number of lights and he's being told there are a different number of lights from reality. And basically it's just a mind game trying to get him to accept a reality. His captors are trying to force upon him and the lights are the metaphor, blah, blah, blah. Got it. Uh, bottle episode, you know, and deals a lot of interrogation and stuff. It is definitely a flashier, uh, episode than uh, duet. Um, doesn't quite make you, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't, it's not like a concentration camp. And now, uh, you know, um, metaphor necessarily um but it did remind me of it um but this one is much more uh subtle and therefore more powerful uh you cannot go wrong with uh mr yellen in the in this role I, for some reason i thought he had a reoccurring role on this show you know when as soon as i saw him i said oh it's that guy the guy who played that guy all the time no 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 <laughs> it's just like he left such an impression that i thought he was one of the main kardashians um he is i think almost in every star trek he has something going on mm. in almost every series he's one of those guys that comes back again and again yeah there's different... like always some admiral that's like <laughs> yeah go beyond x point and don't bother coming back like okay <laughs> yeah exactly then he um, picks up his paycheck for the year builds a new garage yeah and he's done. uh and you're totally right about what you call the flip and you know i'm gonna go on a limb i call it the switcheroo um where you Change know, approved. Yeah. <laughs> um, they not only give you, I mean, I think a lesser script, a lesser show would just present everybody's argument, everybody's side of the, you know, everybody's equation and lay it on the table where, but is this one is crafted into how it manipulates you as a viewer. And that makes all the difference in the world from it being, you know, sort of this static linear okay story to being something that actually makes you think and that's what this episode i think does so well the one sort of uh miscellaneous note i have is uh uh quark really just had some contractual obligation to be in this episode <laughs> didn't he because he pops in for it was one very random one was... random line and then he's out never seen again he's like guys if he's not in 15 episodes, we got to pay him his kill fee or whatever. I don't know what's going on there. Just but, throw uh, him in a scene. Do whatever that you was, can. Yeah, that, that, that scene, unfortunately, uh, could have been cut. But it really didn't take away from the power of this episode. Joe. One more thing I just want to oh, say before yeah. Joe goes in that I forgot to say before is when, when Kira early on is describing life in this camp and says that women were raped in front of their children, it's like, that's intense for a Trek show. Like, yeah. normally it takes more of a sort of utopian, like, we're past all that grubbiness kind mm -hmm. of take but this establishes the stakes of what she's actually dealing with it's like oh no this is really serious and intense and not a joke and and a, this guy's bad news potentially but so, also yeah. the whole like general atmosphere the, the general political situation of the base where you know there's been this terrible occupation these right. horrible things happened yet 
Starfleet is there, yet it's not this black and white Kardashians can no longer be. You know what I mean? Like, right. they exist in this universe, pass cross, uh, concessions are made. Mm-hmm. Like, that was sort of what right. obviously set apart DS9 from, you know, the uh, the pristine hotel that was right. USS Enterprise, right? <laughs> right. And, yes. and that's what makes this, you know, you pair that setting with this episode's uh, subject matter and, mm-hmm. and you can create something very dark. And, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's interesting that this is sort of in a, we're watching a reconciliation period and, and that there are, you know, there's, there are sketchy things that happen and people have to switch sides because it's not always clear who's right. Okay, Joe. So uh, just answer for me then, somebody who's never watched this show, what is the, like, what are they doing out there in space? Like, what is the mission of this particular ship? Uh, so the station is uh, basically, I mean, in the context of the show as a whole, it's safeguarding this very strategic wormhole that pops up nearby it, which doesn't happen in this episode. But basically, it's a you see border. It credits, it's a border though. station, basically, but happens gotcha. to be this wormhole opens up right near the planet of Bajor. And so Bajor is a very strategic planet, uh, you know, uh, you know, for trade routes or for just you right. know, travel routes in general. So, yeah. Okay, that doesn't really have anything to do with whether I'm going to vote yeah or nay, but I just like was interested to know. Um, I yeah, that's you know, I am obviously not uh, very well versed in the Star Trek sort of universe. I never really watched the original series. I've watched occasional sort of like scattered episodes of Next Generation, but not really. None of Deep Space Nine, none of Voyager. Um, and so I was sort of going into this one, just being like, okay, I'll watch it. I'll see what you know, kind of stuff I can glean from it. I probably won't get as much out of it as everybody else because I didn't watch the show. And yet like I, the, I was, you know, paying attention to the whole episode through, but there was sort of like a point halfway through where I started really paying attention because it was just like, Oh, this episode really kind of grabbed me. And I think part of it is the fact that it is a bottle episode and it's, it doesn't really depend, you know, you pick up the context very quickly, particularly because um, I know Sarah, you mentioned that they don't really lay it on too thick about the, like uh, the analogies to like the Nazis. And yet, like once you sort of get that, that's what it's kind of, Based on a little bit, it's just like okay, I get it. Cardassians and and Bajorans. Well, and then that and, shorthand know, lets them do some other stuff with yeah. it too. And then in turn, you're like, I found it that much more sort of impressive that Harris Eulin was obliged to be like holding forth stentorously about the right. you know his genocidal accomplishments. But then even that's not quite what it seems. Anyway, yeah. Um, also, I will say, uh, incredibly prescient of Deep Space Nine to have an episode about bringing the Kardashians up on war crimes charges. I thought that uh, in 2016. Um, anyway, a little joke about the Kardashians. Um, yeah, Harris Eulen's fantastic. I thought it's he's got one of those faces that comes through even very heavy makeup like this, where it's yep. just like, it took me a second, but I'm like, ah, there's that Quentin Travers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um or I also remember him as the judge from Ghostbusters 2. I feel like those are the two roles that I always uh, remember him most from. Um, but yeah, it was a really good episode. I thought uh, the actress who played Kira was very good. I thought their scenes between her and, and Harris Eulen were really good. I thought the scenes between her and uh, and Renee Abergenois, how, how do we pronounce his name? <laughs> That's Abergenois. Uh, as, I can't remember what his character's name is. Odo. 
Odo were really good too. And I, I, he was a character who sort of like was in it enough that I'm just like, he seems very capable and cool and I would like to see more of him. So that's why I drafted him. What's that? It's why I drafted him. Exactly. Yeah. That was a good pick. I mean, also cause Benson, but anyway, yeah. (laughs) Also, uh, uh, Soap cop Joe has to mention that uh, the actress who played she was in like literally one scene who was uh, Cole Meany's sort of uh, assistant fixing the trans monster whatever the hell that they were doing. Uh-huh. Um, Robin Christopher, who's like one of my favorite soap actresses of all time, both from uh, from Another World and from One Life to Live. Anyway, um, that has nothing to do with whether I'm going to vote yes. But or she not has a key role in that season, actually. Oh, no kidding. And as I learned from my Star Trek Deep Space Nine official companion volume. Which we all own. uh, Yes, which we all own. um, You should review pages 159 to 160. (laughs) And that will tell you that they had meant to actually have her in more episodes. But just kind of, I don't know if it was run out of money or time. But they they were kind of building her up to kind of play a key role down the the way. Interesting. You know where that money went. I think that was Visitor was a soap vet too, no? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I think she was on uh, AMC for a long time. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that was probably – in- sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. No, you finish up, Joe, please. I was just going to say that was probably in between her stints on uh, Another World and One Life to Live. So Yeah, I think so. Uh, one yeah. piece of inside baseball before we uh, move on to the vote. Peter Allen Fields, he's the uh, writer, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we had the inner light in the canon. Uh, there's this episode and the one Star Trek uh, user submission we have in the hoppers in the pale moonlight. So yeah. he is all over – all Star over Trek it. Well, he's a triple threat. Yeah. 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 I was looking back at his IMDb too, and um, he, I mean, come on, he wrote from a cloud. Come on. Like, he's he, <laughs> essentially like this was Deep Space Nine was his last gig, and they would occasionally throw him a freelance script um, after, you know, like in later seasons, he wasn't as, as active on the writing staff. But, you know, I mean, to me, that's like kind of like, you know, you can sit there and make fun of 70s hour-long shows and because they're a little bit cheesy. But there were people like him working and, and doing good work. And, and I think Harris Eulen, for me, kind of falls into that camp, too, that there are people really capable of excellent work. And yeah. something genre that even at the time was kind of derided as being silly. But, um, you know, this episode proves that it's far from that. All right. With also, that, shout oh. out. To yep. baby-faced Alexander Siddig, who <laughs> took me forever to realize that that's who it was. I had to go and look up uh, oh, on Wikipedia, yeah. the cast, but yeah. Still credited under different names, Siddig L something. Was oh, the, interesting. Yeah. In the, yeah. All right, let's put it to a vote. Uh, Tara Ariana. I vote yay. Sarah D. Bunting. Me too. Joe L. Reed. <laughs> me too. Getting and, closer. Uh, four for four. Hey! Yay! All right, Star Trek Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 18, Duet. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Canon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. All right, everybody, it is time for winner and loser of the week. Winner is? Well, the winner is Rita Ora, who's just been officially confirmed as the new host of America's Next Top Model when it moves to VH1 next. I can't remember if it's this year, um, but that's where it's going now that it's been revived. And um, potential semi-loser of the week is the Who Weekly podcast, who has made her the Who Queen. Um, this might vault her into uh, a higher echelon of fame in America. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but you know, good, good for Rita, I guess. And loser of the week? 
Um, the Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, here's the thing about making one of the premises of your vampire show the fact that they don't age. <laughs> uh, they do. And I think once uh what's her name degrassi girl left i think yeah. it was on borrowed time and now it's been canceled so um i i believe primetime is currently is are we vampire free in primetime that can't possibly be true no the strain is vampires right right and preacher has va- a va- at least one vampire oh yeah all right but yeah it's this the coming eighth season will be the last for the vampire diaries so now the speculation is that nina dobrev aka degrassi girl will actually deign to come back we will see, I suppose, those of you who what care. A, not me. You know, taking the time out of her busy still schedule. On, right? I was just yeah, about to say, is the original still on? The spin-off. The spin-off of Vampire. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, that too. All right. Speaking of Canadian vampires, uh, that brings up an interesting question. <laughs> okay. you know what time it is? <laughs> time it's, to go to Tim Hortons? I think yeah. it's time for a very bubble, special game bubble, everybody it is game time this is the eighth game time of the season the standings are tara with three joe with three value guests with one sarah with zero but today we are playing for all the marbles winner today wins the season and joe needs to tell us why um yeah so due to work commitments at the job that uh pays my living wage, I am not going to be able to continue as co-host of this podcast anymore, which um, is a bummer and I will miss being on this every week. But, you know, I will go back to, I would hopefully, you know, throw me in the hopper for recurring guests and we'll see what we can work out with uh, time-wise. But, um, yeah, so got to win this week to uh, go out on a high note. <laughs> All right, well, so. We yep. will miss you, Joe. Everybody's got to get paid. I, as so. a game time player... We'll really not miss you at all. <laughs> I can't seem to get a break since you've been back. Picky just favors you. So there you go. It's the we'll miss you, but uh, beat it. Yeah. So we got a, a bit more show. And we got the minis. So we'll say our goodbyes later. But um, today we are playing in honor of the amazing and not depressing at all American presidential nomination <laughs> system. We are playing oh the extra hot grade, the EHG convention. Oh, boy. From Ellen oh Curry, who earns herself an extra credit redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of her choosing this game was created with the help of the good people at ehg assist on twitter and you will hear their star trek mini topic suggestions all this week okay in the ehg convention i will give you the name of a tv politician and you tell me the show they are from for two points if you need a clue i will tell you the actor after which the correct answer is worth one point pretty simple game yes the questions generally go from highest office to lowest. I'll let you know when we're switching up. Okay. And there are, everybody's got about 12, 15 questions today. So I'm not going to give you a lot of time to hum and ha about it. So okay. be ready. Answer quickly. Get them points. Okay. So let's throw it to our person in control choosing initiative, better known as Picky 3000. We will start with valued guests. All right. We will go Mo, Joe, Tara, Sarah is our order. Are we ready to start the EHG convention? Yes, sir. Oh, I yep. want to mention yes. our our uh, fabulous Star Trek draft manager, David. Uh, connection dropped. He was going to <laughs> talk about Star Trek a little bit, but uh, technology conspired against us. So, Thank you, David. Yes, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much, thank David. You. Okay, so here we go. For Mo, 
I will give you the politician you named the show President Jeb Bartlett. Oh, the West Wing. Oh, correct. Star Trek <laughs> sound effects. What? Well, let's just go with it. It's two, two points, right? Two points. Okay. Joe, President of Earth, Richard M. Nixon. Oh, that's Futurama, right? Correct. Two points. Tara Ariano. Yes. President Conrad Dalton. Hint. Keith Carradine. Madam Secretary. One point. Sarah D. Bunting. President Constant Payton. Constance Payton, sorry. Constance? Yes. Payton? Yes, Payton. Payton. Um, Commander-in-Chief? No, <laughs> Alfred Woodard in uh, State of Affairs. Oh, that State thing. of Affairs! <laughs> Space! Uh, uh, by the way, I will butcher probably 60% of these names for Mo, <laughs> still in our presidents, President Dave Segovia, S-G-O-V-I-A. S E uh Peter Oh got our good friend and Apple uh voiceover guy Peter Coyote. Uh, the event? I don't know. Very close. Just, that would have been my guess too. Flash forward. Oh, oh. damn it, they're the same show. That Come on, damn give me half thing. a point. <laughs> Joseph Reed, President David Palmer. Oh, uh twenty-four. Yeah, that's Mr. Haysburg. Twenty-four. Ah, Tara. Yep. Prime Minister, still head of state, mm-hmm. uh, Brigitte Nyborg. Oh, um, that's Borgen. That is Borgen, correct. Two points. For Sarah, President Elias Martinez. Uh, 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 I'm going to give you an extra clue. Mentioned okay. on this very quiz already. Oh, oh dear. What? Yeah. Oh, is this the event? <laughs> Two points. Nice. That For, is the event. <laughs> For Mo, President Charles Logan. Oh, uh, 24? 24, oh. Gregory Itzen. So now we know some shows are in here more than once. Now you know. Nice. Uh, For Joe, Prime Minister Michael Callow. Hint, please. Rory Kinnear. <laughs> okay, Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> That pig fucker. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tara Ariano. Yes. President Fitzgerald Thomas Grant III. Scandal. Sarah D. Bunting. President Laura Roslin. Battlestar Galactica. Hey! Uh, for Mo, Prime Minister Francis Urquhart. U-R-Q-U-H-A-R-T. Urquhart. Urquhart. Yeah. You can ask for a hint. Is it? Is it? I'm going to ask for a hint. Go ahead. Rich, uh, sorry, uh, Ian Richardson. Ian Richardson. Um, the original House of Cards. Yay. That's good for a point. Sweet. All right, nice pull. Joe Reed, President Hank Landry. Hint, please. Uh, the writer. Uh, what's the most American name we can, can come <laughs> yeah. up with? Bo Bridges. Oh dang. Um. It's a show Bo nobody Bridges. here watches, but comes up quite a bit. Huh. Oh, dear. Um, God, I don't know. What is it? Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it. That USA show. Psych. Oh, I know. <laughs> Good guess. Psych? I thought you may have had it because you Stargate SG-1. Uh, oh, dude, that other I show that always that. comes up. That I would have so nailed that. All right, Tara. <laughs> yeah. President Mackenzie Allen. 
This is Commander-in-Chief. It is. Christina Davis. Bring us into our first score break. Sarah D. Bunting, President Julia Mansfield. Mansfield. Hint. Patty Duke. What? uh, Yeah, this has come up a couple weeks ago, actually. Oh, yeah. Who the... What? Benson. Anybody remember? No. Hail to the Chief. That's it. (laughs) All right. So our scores are it's a very close game. Sarah has four. Mo and Joe are tied with five each. I have seven. All right. So we're back into it. Here is our last president for Mo. President Kang. <laughs> president Kang. Start. Uh, hint. Harry Shearer. Oh, um, the Simpsons. Good for one point. <laughs> Don't blame me. For Kodos. All right, now we're into vice presidents, guys. Vice presidents. Okay. Joe Reed, vice president, Andrew Doyle. Uh, scandal. Incorrect. Damn Veep. it. Veep. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's another Andrew that's vice president. God Tara, damn it. Vice yeah. president, the, vice president, <laughs> Selena Meyer. This is Veep. This is also Veep. Yeah, Veep. there you go. Sarah D. Bunting, vice president, William Walden. Walden, yeah. And uh, you should West know Wing. This. Pardon me. West Wing. Nope. Played by uh, Jamie Sheridan. That's a little show we call Homeland. Oh right. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <Okay. laughs> Blocked it out. Mo Ryan. Our last vice president question. Caroline Reynolds, vice president. Caroline Reynolds. Hint. Patricia Wettig. Wettig. Yep. Oh, yes. yeah. This one I knew for some reason. Ah, I can... Commander-in-chief, I don't know. That's my favorite He's answer. Flailing. Three day points. <laughs> I got nothing. Commander-in-chief. Prison no. break. Prison, Prison break. break. All right, guys. Oh, Congressmen and women. To Joe. Oh. Congressman Nathan Petrelli. <laughs> uh, heroes. Two points. Tara, Congressman Nathan Templeton. Mm, hint. Mr. Donald Sutherland. Your friend. Oh, this is Commander-in-Chief, too? One point. Sarah D. Bunting, Congressman Matthew Santos. Ah. Oh, the West Wing. Two points. There it is. Congressman Dreamboat. Congressman Francis mm-hmm. Underwood. House of Cards. Correct. Later, Vice President and President Joe. Finishing up our Congressperson. Congresswoman Celise C.C. Cunningham. <laughs> Celeste. Oh, Celeste, uh, sorry. Celeste, yeah, uh, 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Oh, Falco. Celeste. Correct. Now, guys, senators. Senators. Tara. Yep. Senator Bill Henriksen. Big love? Big love. Bill Paxton, two points. Sarah. Senator Jonah Ryan. <laughs> Senator Jonah Ryan. Veep. Two points. Hold it out of her ass. Got that two points. She's watched one episode of Veep. (laughs) Plenty of room up there. You never know. Senator Martha Kent. Uh, Kent? Annette O'Toole. Oh. Oh, Come on. I'm just flailing here. I'm getting everyone else's questions right, though, in my head. Big clue in that name. Senator Martha Kent. Yeah. Oh, oh, um... 
Wait, let me let me get there. Smallville? Yeah, one point. Nice. nice. Yeah. All right. For Joe, and you have to answer a certain way for an additional five day points, <laughs> Senator Clay uh, Davis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait. I you need the I show, but then the I needed to say something after the show. Uh, okay, it's The Wire. Uh-huh. Is this the one who goes shit all the time? <laughs> shit. There we go. Is this the it, one? I don't <laughs> know. All right, Tara. I'm counting that well, as five I'm day good. points, even though let's be real. It should be two and a half. Yes? It should be two and a half. <laughs> yes. Uh, Senator Gill, John Biggs. Hint. John Goodman. Um, West Wing. Shit. The other one, Alpha House. That is oh, sure. The yeah. other one. Yeah. We're all talking about all the time. Yeah, like everybody. The yeah, you got Amazon Prime? You can watch <laughs> Alpha House. <laughs> Bring us into our second score break. Sarah D. Bunting, Senator Arnold Vitnick. Vinick. 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 Thank you. <laughs> I was like, Vitnick? How many can there be, really? Uh, West Wing. Yep. Correct. That was Alan Alda's character. All right. Second score break. Uh, still extremely close. Mo has nine. Sarah has ten. Joe has eleven. I have twelve. All right, dun, dun, back dun. into it. Here's our last senator level of government, but it's a representative. Representative Regina Bookman. And this is for Mo. Repre- Hint, please. Yeah, Queen Latifah. Okay. Um, girlfriends. <laughs> 30 Rock. I like that guess, though. 30, 30 rock. rock. Sorry. All right, guys, governors, governors. Okay. Governor yes. Eugene Gatling for Joe. Ah. God damn it. Ugh. Eugene Gatling? Yeah, like the gun. I don't know it. I need a hint. All right. <laughs> James Noble. Yay! James Noble. <laughs> James Noble. <laughs> I have I'm not no saying idea. it's obvious, Joe, but you're just oh going to hit God. yourself when you hear the answer. <laughs> Sarah? What is it? It's Benson. No. no. God damn it. <laughs> All right, Tara. Yeah. Governor Robert Ritchie. Hint. James Brolin. Uh, I don't know. Scandal? West Wing. Oh. Governor James Devlin. For Sarah. For Sarah. Please James get this so I don't have to pronounce this name. There's a hint. James Devlin. Hint. Oh, fuck you. Zelko, Zelko Thank you. <laughs> he plays everybody on TV, though. He does. That's not helpful. Zelko Ivanek. Oh, uh, Homicide? Oh. Nope. Adjacent. The other one. Oz. Oz. Yeah. Poop. All right, Mo. Governor Peter Florick. The good wife. <laughs> J, uh, JR. <laughs> Joe. Last governor, Governor Danny Chung. Oh, um, Veep. Two points. That's good. All right, guys. We're talking mayors, and we're talking a lot of them. Okay. Mayor Aubrey James. Hint. Richard Kind. Oh. Oh, Gotham? Yes, one point. Wow. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, Mayor C. Randall Poopenmeyer. <laughs> What the heck? She'll never get this, uh, but hint. I love that you, you got to say that. Uh, the hint is David Herman. Oh. Is that the guy from know. Office Space? Yes. Any idea? I don't know. No. 
Futurama. Futurama. And the writer of that episode was really proud he got Poop and Meyer. Oh, the, no doubt. No, I, that's in the commentary. Like oh. He was like, yes, this yeah. is my life's work. As he should be. All right, Mo. Mayor Dwayne Milford. Uh, hint? John Boylan. Wow, I'm still... I'm just going to go completely left field and say Everwood. I have no idea. Twin Peaks. Twin oh, Peaks. Okay. Also... A town that existed. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yep. Got a lot of bark in it. Pine sure. trees and such. Uh, Mayor Lori Bay for Joe. Bay. B-E-Y. Hint, please. Marley Matlin. Oh. Oh, was this Picket Fences? It certainly nice. was. And that's good for one point. Nice. Tara. Yeah. Mayor Rose Abbott. Is this Everwood? This is. Thank you. Last name Abbott, I assume. Sarah D. Bunting, Mayor Lucy Rodell. Lucy Rodell. Huh. Hint. Libby uh, Villari. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Puss and Buddies. What the <laughs> hell? Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Oh, sure. Mo Ryan, Mayor Lucy. Two, two ladies, mayors, both named Lucy. What a world. Mayor Lucy Warburton. Kent? Amanda Warren played Mayor Lucy Warburton. Oh, man. The Flash? I don't know. Tara, you watch this show. I don't know. That is The Leftovers. Oh, Leftovers. okay. Oh. oh, yeah. Joe Reed, Mayor uh, Regina Mills. I almost said Regina because I'm Canadian, but it's probably not. <laughs> Rhymes with fun. Sounds familiar, but I'd like a hint. Uh, Lana Parilla. Yeah. Oh, uh, once upon a time. Good for one point, Tari Ariano, Mayor Diamond Joe Quimby. This is ah. good for two. Sarah D. Bunting, bring us into our penultimate score break. Mayor uh, Ruve Adams, R U V E, with a fancy little line on top of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I. Ah, shit. Uh, hint. Okay, played by Janet Kidder. Relation to Margot? Can't be yeah, I was wondering that. Um, but I suppose I can't stall on that information forever, so I'm going to guess the Flash. You are so close. Arrow. Oh, I'm going to give you one day point because, you know, <laughs> crossover. Agony. Thank you. Score break, please. Um, okay. Uh, Sarah has 10. Mo has 11. Joe has 15. I have 17. Spreading. Are we all enjoying our Star Trek suspense music background? Yes. Break? <laughs> yes. Love it. Still in mares for Mo. Mayor Victor Lang. Oh, I know that. Who? Uh, what? Uh, hint, please. John Slattery. The Silver Fox. Oh. Uh, Sex in the City? No. Ah! Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. Uh. I think I'd faded out on that show by that point. I did not know the slat was on there. I think America did. <laughs> Joe Reed, Mayor Walter Gunderson. Okay. Mayor Walter Gunderson. This is a show you hint. have watched. All right. This is a hint. tricky hint. Bill Murray. Huh. Not what I was expecting. Um... Walter Gunderson. Yeah, I don't know. 
Anybody? It's Parks and Recreation. Parks cool. and Rec, yeah. Really? Uh, the oft-mentioned Mayor Gunderson finally Only got a face. Only one scene, I believe. Yeah. Ah. Tari Ariano, yeah. Mayor Theodore Teddy Conrad. Oh, Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> Old font, new font. Pork, pork, pork. I was going to say Mr. Pork Blood, of course. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, Mayor Richard Wilkins III. Oh, oh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Good for two. Mo, here's your last mayoral question. Mayor Thomas Carchetti. Oh, the wire. Yeah. Joe Reed. Sure. Mayor Tom Kane. Oh, shoot. This sounds very familiar, too. Uh, hint. Good hint. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> oh, um, boss? <laughs> Don't say it with such a question mark in your voice, Joe. <laughs> All right. Boss last, was a show. <laughs> last mayor is a deputy mayor. Deputy mayor Mike Flattery. Flaherty? Flaherty, yes. There's no T in that. Spin City. Thank you. Two points. All right, everybody. We're now on to Councilman. Councilman. Oh, Jesus. Sarah D. Bunting. Councilman Woody Boyd. Oh, she is? Correct. Everybody's last question coming up, so let's quickly get the scores. Okay. Sarah and Mo are tied with 13 each. Joe has 16. I have 20. Okay. Anybody's game? <laughs> All right. Uh, Mo, Councilman Douglas Hauser. Hint? Yeah. Uh, I believe it would be pronounced uh, Van Jordan. Y V A N S. Yan? Yan? Y? Yeah. Y V A. Yvonne? Sure. I don't know. Never heard of it. <laughs> So what's the order of those names? I'm sorry. <laughs> Yvonne something. Yvonne Jordan. And then in the uh, character name? Douglas Hauser. Councilman Hauser. Oh, why? I, I know this, don't I? I know this. Uh, Parks and Rec. Good for one nice. point. Nice pull. Joe Reed, Councilman Bill Kelly. Two L's. And an E Hint. and a Y. John Slattery. <laughs> is uh, this Sex in the City? Indeed it is. Well done. <laughs> Tara Ariano. Yeah. Councilman James Big Jim Reddy. Uh, <laughs> under the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Two points. And our last question for Sarah D. Bunting. Councilman Jeremy Jam. <laughs> Jeremy Jam? J A M M. You know this. Yep. I, uh, no, I don't. Hint. John Gla- uh, Glazer. Glazer. Thank you. Does not help. Oh, she got don't jammed. Know. She got jammed. That's, she didn't get uh, jammed. Yeah, that's Parks and Recreation. All right. Tar got it, but let's do the tiebreaker, which I have here for Shits and Giggles. It is a head of state. First person to answer it gets 10 day points. Silas Benjamin, King of Gilboa. The Kings. Joe, <laughs> Which I just wrote about points. today. As he exits the arena. Wow. All right, everybody. Nicely done, everyone. But I wanted you to know first who it was who had beaten you. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Tara. All right, everybody. 
That is it for another episode of Extra Hot Curry. We boldly went where we went a few months ago and engaged our <laughs> second TV franchise draft, this time with Star Trek. Who won? That's up for, to you to decide. Replicate a cup of Earl Grey hot and visit the episode page for this to vote. Make it so. After the draft, we went around the moons of Nibia and the dial with stops at Full Frontal Superstore, the Antares Maelstrom, looking... Unreal, Stranger Things, Squirrel Girl casting, Mo Ryan's canon submission. That was Deep Space Nine's duet. Did live long and prosper in the H-E-A... Oh, sorry. Somebody just messaged me. I fucked that up. I'm just going to pick it up again. Mo Ryan's submission for Deep Space Nine's duet. Will live long and prosper in the extra hot great canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's EHG convention game time and the season. Remember. We're listening. I am David Cole and behalf of Tara Ariano. Make it so. Sarah D. Bunting. There's something on the wing! Joe Reed. <laughs> Make it even more so. And more. <laughs> more. Live long and prosper. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great Late Breaking News. Dave says in the canon. Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man. <laughs> this has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.